The following is a production of Art Trap Productions and is made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also brought to you by Doctor Who Podshock, the premier international and oldest Doctor Who podcast. Check it out at podshock.net. Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. With Dave Cooper, Graham Sheridan, and myself, Louis Trapani. Shanghai deal. And you're due to chair the FICOR executive board at 4 o'clock. Thanks, Shannon. Is everything all right? Everything's fine. We're living in miraculous times. I couldn't be happier. You shouldn't call me Stu in the office. Sorry, Mr. Owens. People who believe that jumping from 45 floors up or higher is the only guaranteed way to lose consciousness forever. <laughs> what happened to her? What happens in that module? Not the module was storage. We're supposed to use it as storage until some senator signs some paperwork and gives a command. I just did things a little early, that's all. I did not agree to this. Everything's gonna be fine. But we murdered her. No. The modules were designed to kill. Therefore, death within this compound is legal. How does that work? Because I say so. You're gonna take her car and drive it into San Pedro. She goes missing, it's got nothing to do with us. Is that gonna work? Ralph. They're never going to find her. She's dust. And we put this place on red alert, complete lockdown, because lockdown means that every member of the staff is logged and noted. It'll give us a perfect alibi. Something's going on. Let's go, everybody, lockdown. That's right. We're officially in lockdown, folks. Nobody leaves until further notice. Yes, sir. This is a drill. We're testing our readiness in case of emergency. Stop for me. I will get this evidence out. I said it's lockdown, Miss. What is it? Esther. Uh, Esther Drummond. Sorry, I just needed to call home. Well, read the rule book. All exterior calls have to be authorized by me. Uh, what about visitors, sir? Shouldn't we escort them out? Isn't that observer still here? The one from Washington, Dr. Juarez? No, she left. She's gone. Matter of fact, she said I was uh, running an excellent command. Very good indeed. That's her exact words. Very good indeed. Uh, very good indeed. 
Well, thank you, Dave, for those clips, and welcome to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. We're back, and we're back here reviewing another episode of Torchwood Miracle Day, and joining me, well, first, let me, uh, before I introduce Dave, my usual co-host here, we have with us our, after a long little hiatus here, he's back with us, Graham Sheridan. Hello, Graham. Welcome back to the show. Good, Joe. We're talking about Torchwood here, isn't it, and not Doctor Who. Well, next week we will at this time, <laughs> but right now we're still talking talk. Uh, we're still ta- talking Torchwood. I presume this means I'm Colin Baker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. After a hiatus, I, I just connected those dots. So, usual life, things getting in its way and and work. So. <laughs> well, we're we're um, honored to have you back. You're in Germany, so. Uh, once again, this is a international show, and also proving that it's international across the same pond is Mr. Dave Cooper. Hello, Dave. Hi. I'd usually sound very well indeed, but I'm only middling today. <laughs> In honor of the middlemen. Exactly. And that's the episode we're going to be reviewing of Tortured Miracle Day. If you've been following the last few episodes of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, in fact, the last five episodes, and this would be the sixth, has been dedicated to reviewing live on the net, talk shoe, talk, <laughs> not talk shoe Miracle Day, but rather Torchwood Miracle Day. And it's a new series of Torchwood that's been simultaneously on Stars and BBC, as well as a uh, Space Channel in Canada, and I think it's ABC in Australia. So it, it's in Australia. I'm just not sure if it's ABC or not. But unfortunately, though, in the UK, it's almost a week later. It's six days after it's shown in the US, which makes it difficult for we decided when we were doing this series of reviews to be inclusive to the UK and do it in that, you know, on the schedule of the UK. So that's why we're reviewing episode six, The Middlemen. Meanwhile, yet, as we review this, not yesterday, but the day before yesterday, on Stars they showed episode seven, uh, which actually I, I don't know the title off the top of my head, but they showed episode seven, Immortal Sins is the name of that episode. Yeah. So we're not going to be covering that in today's episode. So we did it to be inclusive to those in the UK, but I'm not sure if it really worked out that well because, the, well, maybe today might be the exception, but uh, so far our live review shows have, haven't been getting that many callers in from the UK. And I should remind you, if you are calling in, the call number to call for TalkShoe is, um, and it's a US number, and it's area code 724-444-7444. And you can call anytime during the live show while, you know, obviously while we're doing this live to call in to speak on the show. And when you do call in, you'll be asked to enter a call ID number for the show. And that call ID number is 110825. So that's 110825 is the call ID number. And you can... Give us your opinion of um, Torchwood. I know I I said last week, and it still holds true. Every time I you, um, send out an announcement about our live show, I get someone tweeting back or someone leaving a message like, oh, well, something negative about Torchwood Miracle Day. And yesterday we were had, um, we had, Dr. Pachak had its annual seasonal meetup 
in um, Second Life, and we did a panel discussion. And once again, I reminded people about our live show reviewing Torchwood, and I received the same type of feedback about how people are disappointed with it. And I think that kind of reflects on what we're doing here, because initially we had larger crowds and more people calling into the show, and that seems to have petered out. And I, the feedback that I got from uh, yesterday's meetup on Second Life was that many people had tuned out of Torchwood Miracle Day. So, like I said last week, I would love to do a call out for those people that had been disappointed to come and on our show and, you know, and even give a negative review if they like. But the thing is, if they're no longer watching Torchwood, they're no longer listening to our review of it. So it doesn't really um, I'm not reaching them. So so I can't get. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. I was going to say, no, no, I was going to jump in there. Again, I think we're hitting this same problem. Is, uh, it's summer. I mean, it's... Well, well that's, that's another factor. In the UK. Yeah, it, it, that's another factor, yeah. Uh, so for people to watch 10 weeks, I mean, how many families that go away will go away sometime in sort of uh, uh, end of July, June... Uh, sorry, end of July, August, early uh, September, the 10 main weeks... Um, maybe in America, lots of kids are off at these summer camps. I don't know when they actually happen in America, but um, at this time of year, it is quite a, a time. On the other hand, you could argue that there's perhaps less competition for it to be up against if most of the major um, TV channels in America are basically showing repeats at this time of the year or sports. It may have the feel to itself somewhat. Yeah, I'm not even sure how, so. how that kind of plays into it. In today's world, most... Uh, I don't know if I, I'm kind of maybe I'm, I'm in a tech bubble right now because I sort of hang out with those that are on the cutting edge of tech. But I would think that a lot of people are using DVRs and they can record it and watch it at their, you know, they can time shift it and watch it whenever they like. So I'm not even sure if, if anything up against, you know, being played up against it even, you know, factors into it. No, not, not forgetting it's a, well, at least the US, it's a pay channel that it's in an upper tier that you have to pay extra, 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 extra for. And a lot of people just don't want to give that money out for it. Well, it's that. Good point. It's also, well, well, they do show it multiple times. But the thing is that they, they it's very difficult. It's it's not like Doctor Who on BBC America. On, on Doc, with Doctor Who on BBC America, the day after, or, or sometimes hours after it's shown, it's available on iTunes and, and, you, and Amazon. So you can purchase it. You know, via iTunes or Amazon, uh, pretty much right away, and watch it. That's not the case with Torchwood Miracle Day, and I know I, I spoke about this in another episode, so I won't kind of belabor it. But to use myself as an example, for me to um, to get Torchwood on uh, cable would mean buying not just the next cable package. I would have to buy like three cable, dif- three different packages before I can get up to where Stars is located, and then I'm paying for all these other channels that I'm not. I have no interest in just to get the stars. There's no, there's no way just to buy just the stars or even on demand. They torch um, stars offers Torchwood on demand, but for my cable company, you have to be subscribed to stars in order to purchase the on demand from stars. So it's a catch 22, you know, I'd be um, more than happy to, you know, just if it was made available that you can just purchase it on demand, and, and pay even if you're paying a premium for it more than what you would do as a regular subscriber, but it's um it's difficult. Oh, it's not as if you in a lot of areas it's not as if you actually have a choice of cable provider either. Yeah, sometimes. I, as I understand that you a lot of places like it's Com uh, 
uh, Comcast or Comcast or nothing. Yeah, it, uh, which, which is not a choice at all. It's it's basically well, I can describe it as a rip-off in rip-off territory. It's a sort of uh, it's probably why Rupert Murdoch wants Sky in the UK to try and sort of push that whole thing, and that's why he's trying to pull down the BBC. Luckily, things went really, really against him, so mm-hmm. we'll have a break now. Well, before we go any further, we are reviewing Tortured Miracle Day, Episode 6, The Middle Men. And so uh, I should give a warning. If you haven't seen this episode, most likely you have now. It's um, it, it was premiered on Thursday, this Thursday, this past Thursday on BBC and the Friday before last on Stars. So, But if you haven't seen this yet, anything past this point could be spoil will contain spoilers for that episode so as usual our spoiler warning spoilers spoilers again spoilers spoilers well you get the idea spoilers spoilers all right so they all fantasize about cars don't they they love (laughs) spoilers yes spoilers (laughs) (laughs) well you have to have them it keeps your car you know grounded yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be flying off the road. I don't know. It depends if you've got a DeLorean or not. Yes. <laughs> so let's see. We're talking about middlemen. So um, some background about it. It's written by John Chaban or Shabin or Shaban, I think. Um, it's directed by Guy Freeland, who Furlan, who directed last episode. And guest starring in this episode is Ernie Hudson, who many will recognize from Ghostbusters, playing the character Stuart Owens. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the episode pretty much opens up with him, you know, um, at his desk. So it's good to see him in this episode. And I, um, as far as casting goes, I know there's one other person that has a sci-fi background that has been cast in Torchwood that has yet to show his face yet and again we're only going up to episode six in our discussion right now so if you've seen episode seven don't don't say anything dave <laughs> if <you've seen> it. <laughs> dave is cheating on us today dave is usually in sync with me and 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 graham and but uh cultum has done a mid-series actually it's not even a it can't you can't even call it a mid-series review because you're up to episode seven so it's sort of like a three-quarter well, well, well we, we did for the most of the show we did it up to episode six so okay. people could then drop off i see and just the latter part was talking episode seven so uk viewers uh are places that haven't got episode seven can listen to the download now uh and the the any spoilerish for seven is left for the last 20 minutes or so. Well, long story short is that Dave is cheating on me and has seen episode seven yet where I and Graham have not. <laughs> so no spoilers from you. And um, we're going to be for those are in our chat session. I should remind people you can go to talkshow.com. And if you, even if you don't want to participate by calling in, you can join our chat, our live chat that goes on at talkshow.com while we're recording the show. So, um, we always enjoy seeing what people put into the chat while we're recording. All right, so let's get back to the middlemen. This picks up pretty much right after Categories of Life, episode five that we reviewed last week. So this is, you know, even though every episode is a continuation of the previous one, but this one more so than maybe the others, because this pretty much picks up 
you know, with the exception of the Ernie Hudson character, not character, the actor uh, playing the character is Stuart Owens. And, you know, with the exception of that beginning bit, this pretty much picks up immediately after Categories of Life. So Gwen is still in the UK. And while she's there, this just happens to jump in my mind right now that she gave this like very passionate speech to another doctor there about the camp and uh, pretty much framing it as it is a, a concentration camp. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if that doctor, which I didn't catch that doctor's name, if, if she's going to somehow, if we're going to see her again, and she's going to somehow turn around and, 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 you know, restore her position as someone that, that's, that cherishes, cherishes life, you know, because right now she's sort of like just obeying orders. Yeah. Um, another, I guess, pivotal um, aspect of this episode is now Rex realizes that he's no longer part of the CIA. He's now Torchwood. And when we see him in the beginning of this episode, he is recording on his uh, video recorder and he's making a a log entry in there pretty much and saying that he first says that this is Rex Matheson from the CIA. And then he says, scratch that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. And he says, this is Rex Matheson from Torchwood. And it goes on explaining, you know, what he had recorded and he was going to get the person that was responsible for Vera's death. At the same time, we see Esther, who's had implanted herself in the um, administration of this camp. We're talking about now. Now we're talking about the, a camp in Los Angeles as opposed to the one in the UK that Gwen was at. So um, she is uh, at the end of last episode, she was trying to call Vera and wasn't getting through and she's still trying to call her and still not getting through. So she knows something is up and she starts investigating um, with Colin there what's going on. And um, this eventually leads to a um, a uh, well, I, I might be getting ahead of myself here, but they, they eventually get into a, a physical fight where it all leads down to. So this is like the first time we really see her getting physically active. And I have to say it was a, it was a difficult, <laughs> it was difficult to watch this whole, um, this whole episode was, was a bit difficult to watch. It's um, a lot of heavy stuff is going on here. And as I said last time, there's not a lot of levity going on. There's, it's, no. it's, it's very dark. It's very heavy. And I have to say, I have to be honest, you know, even though, I'm like sort of trying to be fair and trying to enjoy every, you know, trying to I and I'm enjoying the episodes as I'm watching them, but it's not the torchwood that I that I remember and and as I said before, unlike Children of Earth, I'm not at the edge of my seat waiting for the next episode. And in fact, when I had to watch this, I had it was sort of like it was sort of like a chore. It's like, "Oh, I got to, you know, I have to watch this for our live show for our review even though, you know, you know, as I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it, but it's just, it's sort of a chore. It's not like something that I'm looking forward to, you know, because only because I know it's so dark and it's, you know, I'm someone that likes to escape. I mean, my life <laughs> on its own is dark, dark and miserable. I want to escape from that. <laughs> I want to see more of it. So, but something that Dave had mentioned in last episode, which I wasn't really picking up on, but Dave was clever enough to catch it. And I didn't catch it in Categories of Life, but I haven't watched it again since. But Dave had said that the devil was mentioned again in Categories of Life. And now in this episode, when it was brought up again, 
I definitely, my ears perked up because of what Dave had said last episode. It seems like it is being mentioned in every episode, unless we're, we're mistaken. But there was, um, when, um, when Captain Jack phases off with uh, Stuart Owens, played by Ernie Hudson, in the restaurant, Stuart Owens, that character that Ernie Hudson's playing, says something to the fact that, that you know, you think I'm a devil in a three-piece suit. So, yeah. There, once again, the devil was mentioned. So it seems like it's being, I don't know, it could be just a coincidence. I don't know. But we, in that same conversation, we learn of this, um, the blessing, you know, quote, end quote, the blessing was somehow uh, a key in the, yeah, I guess it was in the 1990s and then it was erased. So now that's where, Torchwood is at as far as trying to figure out what that means and what that's all about. Uh, this is to add to the the geography clue that we'd yeah. been latched onto before that uh, Captain Jack's trying to ask him about, uh, and of course he'd sent one of his right at the beginning. They sent this chap mm-hmm. um, to investigate in Asia, uh, and the, the, yeah, the investigator jumps off the story, and that's the probably the first reference we get. That later is mentioned as the 45 Club. That the only way to ensure not death, obviously, but a um, unconsciousness. continuous unconsciousness is to jump from at least 45 floors up. Because it's, I was coincidentally, I was curious about what was going on with those that are trying to commit suicide uh, before this episode, and I was, I was kind of wondering how, you know, why they hadn't explored that. Um, that side of things yet. So it's, it was interesting that this episode sort of opens up with that 45 Club reference. And and I, I guess they found that out through trial and error as far as, you know, it would be 45 floors up that you, you lose consciousness. And But, I mean, how do you know if you lost... Con- I mean, even if you... Let's just say you're parallel... Well, I guess they can do a brain scan and see if there's brain activity. Okay, I guess that's how they know. All right. Because <laughs> I was going to say, how do they know... <laughs> That, um, yeah, it seems very, very strange. Yeah. Um, but strange. Go, go on, Greg. It could have been strange. I mean, there's other sort of ways you probably they could have accomplished this. Breaking into uh, chemical labs and sticking uh, stealing the uh, liquid nitrogen and and, free, and shock freezing themselves. That's also a sort of possibility. I, I I'm guess. Surprised didn't go that far because that would be more sort of. I think this. I suppose he's trying to keep it in reality, but... Uh, I guess finding a tall building is easier than finding a chemical lab. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Most universities have one. Yeah, so, but just go about what you're saying about it not being compelling. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it, in my mind at least, that Children of Earth was what I would class as compelling, mm-hmm. must-watch must TV. Uh, this this um, it's certainly more a bo- box of chocolates and uh, not many soft centres in there at all. Um, so I, I must admit, I, well, I am really enjoying it. But when I sit down to watch an episode, um, it seems quite often to go off at a tangent, and you you can't. This probably was the the one episode, and you related to that that it actually basically followed on from after Vera's death, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Rex tries to have dressed up as a soldier to try and get out but he gets captured and of course he's chained up when uh, when Esther guesses that there's something gone wrong he sees he sees the chaps in the office having this very uh, panicky looking 
conversation. She she rustles up some files to take in to sort of, you know, try and find out what's going on and so on. Um, so it is. Th- these two are a bit of a continuation, uh, five and six. But often the the pace and the feel and the the darkness of each episode has been quite different each week. But I'm, I I still really enjoy it. I'm not seeing it as a chore whatsoever. I really do enjoy it. And uh, I also find as well that um, listening to, to them more than once, there's an awful lot of little clues in there. And uh, as I mentioned with that devil thing, there's also, and we mentioned this with Doctor Who and uh, Russell T. Davis before, isn't he? Uh, to say he's an atheist, he, he likes to bring a lot of religious iconography and uh, and symbols into his work uh, yeah, I, and we get lots of references i noticed that too even gwen's um speech to that doctor she references god at least once if not more so i i took note of that too yep not bad for an atheist <laughs> i uh, symbolism and all that hmm but it this this episode really does suffer from sitting in the middle an awful lot uh, as in things seems to be uh, just to keep the story line out to the 50 odd minutes that it is uh, without adverts just to, to pull it out it's, it's going you know, Russell T is going looking back at maybe old Doctor Who and using the old chewing gum theory of sort of stretching things out because it seems that the, the actual writers have been given the command to uh, stretch this, this material out as much as possible. This needs to happen within the episode. And then you're left with this, this thing where there's parts like, why is she doing that? And she's just done that. And Gwen just did, did that. And Gwen just did, just did that. And why is she going back and doing that again? And it's just the way it comes across. Um, lots of really sort of stupid stuff. Um like like getting oh. captured and then telling while you're captured or when you when you're alone in um, in let's say enemy territory telling oh I'm gonna come after you I'm gonna we're gonna uh, <laughs> we're 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 gonna prosecute you to the full extent of the law this is like exactly what Vera did with Colin and then now Rex yeah. is um, threatening Colin while he's chained up and is incapacitated there I'm like what are you doing shut up. <laughs> Well, at that point, he doesn't realise that this is the chap that did it. Um, yeah, I know, but he's still. Seen, he's seen him as a, a dithering, uh, uh, incompetent sort of a person. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking, you know, you know, you show that and you're going to be a hero, uh, not realising that he was the man that had pulled the lever, as it were. And uh, very, very gruesome when he's sort of, he's looking around for the weapon and all he can come up with is a, is a, pen. a ninja pen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, probably a propelling pencil, actually. Wow. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, who's going to patch him up now that Vera is gone? Yeah, uh, even the Laroon was looking like it was healing in that. The other thing, stupid thing, more Gwen side of things. Um, she's stuck at the British concentration camp, and she's quite op- you know, openly revealing who she is. Uh, oh, that's my father. Could you? We need to get help for my father. She's so concentrated getting help for her father. You're in enemy territory. Mm. You need to keep your head down. If there's a problem with your father, find some way to sneak him out. But you don't go in, going up to the doctor, giving it blah, 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 the whole time, which is the way it comes across. And I don't know if it's bad right, but this is the bit that's annoying. This is where I hit the fast forward button. 
until we get to another bit where she's not doing the same thing or at least it looks like there's something new happening somewhere else. I mean, okay, zooming towards the, uh, the end of the actual episode, uh, the best thing in it was the uh, the fight was between Colin and Esther, uh, where I was rooted, like uh, World Wrestling Federation, or I'm not sure what they're called these days, World Wrestling Entertainment, I think, uh, fights, you know, you, you're... you're you're uh, battling for your best or your favourite wrestler sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. The the soldier that I originally thought when I saw him last episode was going to be the one that was going to do Vera in turns out to be the one that actually saves Esther from Colin. So it's um, yeah. it's a good I've turnaround there like, with that character. Yeah, I, I've, you know, I've said it before today. It's like we've got the... Uh, Kill the nasty person of the week um, bit of the program, which seems to sort of start going on now. Was it two weeks ago? Well, we had the um, yeah two weeks ago where we had the the life is life uh, and dead is dead um, tea party woman who got crushed in the car. Right. Uh, and then now we got we got uh, at last we've got uh, last person and this one was obviously uh, Colin, and you were really glad to see this guy go. But it's just, it's going between ridiculous and, and entertaining. And it's the point of you have to fast forward through the ridiculous to get to the entertaining. Uh, because the, mm. the ridiculous is just so far ridiculous that it makes it unwatchable in, in parts. Um, well, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But I mean, I can see how some people uh, would see that because it's certainly pushing the boundaries of uh, taste and decency in, in some people's mind. And. Uh, uh, th- there are obviously people about who 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 will see some of the the, the things it's mirroring in you know past times as uh, being very near to the bone. Uh, the categories of life uh, was obviously the darkest episode to my mind, and this one's sort of dealing with the aftermath of that. Um, but having ten episodes, and hopefully there's going to be big payoffs as, as we get. You know, in the final run to the final three or four episodes, um, we are at least getting more in depth about some of these characters. And even I don't know, you call this Colin the chap that's running a minor character, but in in a way, we almost learn too much about uh, how he is. But it also gives Esther a chance to shine um, because um, you know she's been the weakest weakest link in terms of the the, the group of Torchwood. Up to this point, maybe. So um, yeah. they're, they're, they're keeping lots of balls in the air, aren't they? With the, you know, we've got the, uh, the Julie Kissinger character, we've got the Oswald Danes character. Uh, Vera, as we now know, is very shockingly uh, from last week out of the story. And I mean, I, mean, that, I would have thought that this episode, The Middlemen, would have got a lot more people tuning in after that shocking ending to episode five. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's more of the sort of uh, the calm after the storm, if you know what I mean. Um, that's what I, th- I thought about it. Because uh, I haven't had a chance to say it yet, but the f- episode five, because of the end of it, uh, for me was the sickest episode of any TV programme I've ever seen, ever. I really, um, you know, if I want to watch horror, I'll watch a, a horror film. But it really is. It's, that was the sickest episode ever. And, you know, it's, Cheap things like uh, it's, it's, he gives up, um, Rex gives up trying to get Vera out of the thing, and, uh, and this is all really typical 
R2D sort of um, tones and tribes and and and, uh, and things like that. And it's it gets to the point of uh, frustration. I mean, I felt pretty much almost physically sick at the end of episode five. Well, and I, I thought with well, the name this being episode six would be called the Middlemen. I thought it'd be sort of a, a middle of the uh, not a particularly good episode anyway. Uh, it's sort of giving you a sort of the tip that this is just going to give, be an information uh, sort of uh, information giver, sort of filler. But um, well, that was my complaint yeah. last week was that we've so far we've only been dealing with middlemen and we haven't. Um, you know, so far we're more than halfway through the series. Well, last week we were halfway through the series and we still have not yet seen a face of the enemy. And you had mentioned yeah. um, a storm before, and I just want to make a note that while I'm recording this, I'm hearing loud thunder bumpers outside and <laughs> it sounds like there's a storm rolling in. And uh, this past week I've been having some internet problems that um, where I'm, I've been losing connections. So just a warning there in case um <laughs> in case I disappear. You're not alone. You, I can see it on the horizon from here for me as well. I look out my, well, my front room or my living room window. Hopefully that won't happen during the show. I, I just wanted to give a heads up in case um, somehow I, I vanish off the show. You know what happened. <laughs> well, why don't we take a break? And then I'm going to... We have lots of people... Well, we have a few people in the queue. Um, there are people in the chat room as well. And just to remind people, you know, while we take a break, you can call into the show by uh, calling right now live during the show. 724-444-7444. And the call ID number for our show is 110825. So call in, get in the queue and go to com, And this way you can actually get into the queue there. As Dave had just mentioned, we want to remind everyone about Audible, which is um, a premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including science fiction, but not just science fiction. They have thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and more. And their titles, Audible titles, play on iPhones, Kindles, Androids, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you listeners of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you don't like them, you can keep your free audiobook. So it's a great chance to check out some of the selections they have. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British sci-fi. That's all one word, no hyphen, for your free audiobook. And as always, we like to make a recommendation. And since this series of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi has been covering, obviously, Torchwood, so we're going to make a Torchwood selection, as we've been doing. And this is In the Shadows, which is written by Joseph Litster and narrated by Eve Miles herself, Gwen. The story is about a 24—well, what happens is that a 24-year-old Stephen Ballard is found dead, and the police quickly realize that it's no ordinary case. I'm, I'm hearing loud thunder while I'm saying this, right? Uh, <laughs> the body is a man in his 70s, actually, so they call in torture to investigate the corpse. Uh, it, it's just weird because as I said that, as I'm reading this, uh, th- this little s- summary here, the thunder was right on cue. I don't know if you're hearing it, but I, I, it's, it's just weird. Instead of me talking about it, let's play a little clip from it to give you a little taste of what Torchwood in the shadows. 
is about. Hello? Okay. Right, can you hear me? <laughs> oh God, why am I doing this? Of course you can't hear me. Except he said. Okay, here's the thing. Yesterday, we met this trader from the planet Murgatroyd. Kind of like a door-to-door -door salesman, but with orange skin and breath that smelt of, well, Jack called it stardust. It was more like fried eggs to me. So yeah, anyway, before we sent him packing, he gave me this copper ball thing and he said if I spoke into it, I'd be able to talk to you. So this is me, Gwen Cooper, trying to talk to you. I've been thinking back over the last few weeks to something that happened ages ago. It was before the Daleks, before CERN, before I got married, and it was before you. It was before Owen and Tosh died. It feels like a lifetime ago. And it was something that really made me think about whether there's life after death, or whether, when it ends, it really is just darkness. Tortured, In the Shadows, by Joseph Lidster, read by Eve Miles. seconds later, midnight, Stephen Ballard is standing at the top of Queen Street and he's screaming. It's all he can do, that, and remember what's brought him here. A few hours earlier, 4pm, the inevitable ping bouncing around the office, an email, anyone fancy a pint after work, just the one, lol. More pings as everyone replies, God, yeah, 5pm, shut down. Are you sure you want to shut down the computer? Oh, yeah, they're sure. Grabbing coats and bags and piling into lifts. Ping, second floor. Ping, first floor. Ping, freedom. All right, well, that gives you a little taste of talk... A uh, talk... Wood. <laughs> I'm sorry. Torchwood. <laughs> In the shadow. In, you can either select that or any title from Audible that uh, they have to offer and make that your free audiobook again to download your free audiobook go to audibletrial.com slash british sci-fi again that's audibletrial.com slash british sci-fi for your free audiobook and it's good to hear some classic torchwood again <laughs> it seems like it's just to um but again they're, they're talking about death and whether or not there's if there's life after death so it, it you know talk uh torchwood was always um you know on the dark side compared to let's say doctor who but uh, it's um even you know and then in children on earth it seemed to got darker and now it's it's really dark <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so i got to turn out the lights maybe we can uh turn on the lights and 
we're going to take your calls and what we're going to do is to kind of um, refresh you on the episode that we're talking about, which is the middleman. Here's another clip that Dave so kindly put together. So this is a, a little piece of uh, torture, the middleman, and this is the middle clip. I need you to do one more transfer for me. My dad, we're taking him out. Uh, we can't. The compound's closed down. No more movement orders till 6 a.m. I know, Reese. That's when they're going to take my father to his death, all right? I need you to steal some keys. I need you to get hold of a lorry. I don't... I don't know. I just need you to do something. Of course I will. Yeah, uh, nurses, they change over at 5 a.m. It's our only chance. I'll get my dad. You get a truck, okay? Okay. Your name is Janet Ray Tanner. You're 27 years old, 5'9", 119 pounds. What do you want? I just want some information from your boss. I suppose I should have the salad. I'd go for the steak if I were you, with a very large bourbon and a pack of cigarettes. What exactly do you want? The miracle. How was it done? Why was it done? How can it be undone? It's not me you're after. In fact, I've been trying to find out the truth just as much as you. I'm not a bad man. I'm not a good one either. I'm a middle man. Someone is playing the system right across planet Earth with infinite grace beyond any one person's sight. They had to be planning this for a very long time. But there is one word that my operatives picked up. What is it? The blessing. Someone's breached the compound. Someone with a camera. No, no, no. He said Torchwood. I'm going to expose everything that's going on here. What you guys are doing to the patients and what you did to Vera. I taped it. I taped everything. You can see it all. Take a look at it. Play the tape, damn it. And you'll see why you need to let me go. No, no I shouldn't. Play it. I'm sorry. Um, Mr. Maloney just called about that uh, Torchwood man. Is his name Rex Matheson? Yeah. Okay. I'll call him back. Oh, um, what extension was he on? I don't know. Generator room. That was it. Yeah, thanks. I told you, you can't go out in a lockdown. I said you're not allowed outside. I'm reporting you. <laughs> it reminds me of The Office, uh, in the, the show The Office, and that, those scenes there. <laughs> There's always one person in The Office that, that's going to be um, telling other people, you can't do that. <laughs> what? I can't mix the paper clips with the staplers? Oh, <laughs> so some interesting stuff there. I think um, Ernie Hudson really did a fabulous part. You know, he played a fabulous part there. I think he did very well there. I I saw him a couple of years ago at an Icon convention, and it's just, I mean, it, too bad. You know, I didn't know at that time he was going to be in Torchwood, and we could have done a pre-interview. But I think he did a good job I, there. I mean, I. This is a pity I didn't get to say this beforehand uh, on Dave's show because uh, Darth was on about it. Um, but the fact is, oh, I enjoyed it because he was—he's there. His character is there. Being, well, he's a middleman, but he's the CEO, uh, CEO of his particular part of uh, Ficor. And the the fact is that um, uh, I think it was Darth was mentioning that he has problems because. Uh, the way the actor speaks, the, the rhythmic way he speaks, it, it makes him log out. Wow. And he sort of delivered it a little bit like, you know, one of these uh, American preacher types, you know. Uh... Well, that's, I mean, I, I didn't really, it didn't bother me at all. I, 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 I mean, you could say the same thing about um, 
who, what was that voice at the end of the episode? Was it four that reminded me? Yeah, but Dave reminded both of us of um. Oh, I forgot now who it is. The act, the that voice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the one who plays God, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, I mean he has a certain rhythm t- to his voice as well. Uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So, oh yeah, there's certain Kenny's rhythm. I rather enjoyed it. I rather liked him being in there. Uh, I thought the least convincing bit actually was the uh, his secretary Janet when Captain Jack convinces her by showing her the information that the a boss isn't really a boyfriend; he's just using her. So she has to pretend to be kidnapped, uh, yeah. and, and she does a very poor show. Of, oh yes, they've got me here. Oh, he's tying me up. Oh, <laughs> it didn't it didn't sound convincing at all. Well, also that but, Jack oh, the, convinces her by show, by transmitting some emails, but emails can be easily doctored. So I mean, you would have to have something more than just an email to convince someone. But I guess for someone that's I don't naive, know. It, it, it depends on what sort of. Uh, now we're getting into sort of deep sort of things. We're presuming that Torchwood goes deep into, uh, they've got ways in and they can go deep into the servers and that. And they can pick up things with specific headers and specific tags that can only come from specific servers, uh, which uh, anybody sort of... Yeah, know. but the body of the email it could have been rewritten to say anything. And, and it maybe it had been. We don't know. Mm. I mean, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a small nitpick and I'm not gonna, it didn't really, yeah. you know... Uh, yeah. But I have to say that the the characters, though, the, you know, t- talking about this um, Stuart Owens, who's um, you know Ernie Hudson is playing, I, again is is a multi dimensional character, uh, and 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 it's even as much as he was a slimy jerk, Colin, um, what was his last name again? Uh, the, the Maloney. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, again, this wasn't like your arch evil character that that's out to you know that's bent to destroy the world he'd rather go out and and, and be playing at the club um whatever that game was that, that he badminton or badminton or whatever i mean he, he's not a likable fellow we know he's a sexist racist well um jerk We've, we found that out when <laughs> they introduced the character so but he's not you know, I think the circumst the situations and circumstances. You know, and I'm not trying to excuse what he's done, of course, um, but I, I you can see how that um, shaped what he did, and 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 um, and again, I'm not excusing it, but it's just it's just it's interesting that these characters are you know just aren't out just for pure evil sake, you know, and that they're um, the, the, the you know that, that there's some thought that went into that. Yeah, sort of. It does happen that people get put into positions they don't really want to be in, and I suppose, in a way, it's the sort of thing that happens with the, the, the guy that's in that position and freaks out, basically, uh, isn't in control of himself, just because where he is and the job he's he's been basically told to do, because he hasn't got not not enough backbone to say no, I'm not going to do this. Um, there are people like that. Um, uh, doubts. Uh, it happens from day to day. So you get this this creepy character that you really you're waiting. When is he going to get his comeuppance? When is he going to get his comeuppance? And the, yeah, it's like I say, jump into the end there. I love the way that uh, that it's um. Oh, the guard, Esther. It's the younger. Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah. Hmm? No, the, the, the Esther then uh, does try her best, and then she thinks she's killed him and. 
or at least uh, made him incapacitated. And uh, yeah, when she turned, know, when she went back to get the keys, I was expecting to find his. He got up and walked away, you know. And so I, I figured he wasn't completely, you know, even though no one dies, I figured he wasn't completely inca- in, incapacitated I mean, yet. Yeah, I was just. About- Abbasoch actually put it in text there. It's the old horror movie cliche. I was exactly. waiting for that. The, uh, yeah. the, the old, um, well, it's the Halloween movies, really, more than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, well, hopefully he can come on and speak about it himself in a moment. Yeah. Well, let's get some callers in now. Unfortunately, my Talk Show Live application, this happened once before, has frozen. So I'm going to quit it and relaunch it. And hopefully um, it doesn't interfere with the show because right now I can't get any callers in while it's frozen. Uh, I'll play the last clip, and then we'll get your live call. We'll get the live callers in while I uh, restart this uh, Talk Shoe Live 2.0 app. What are you doing? Colin, don't do it. Mr. Maloney. What is it? There's a phone call, Doctor Juarez. Esther. Rex. Esther, just run. You didn't, okay? Go get the key. This has got to stop. Thank you. Can I go now? You've been given special instructions, apparently. Yeah, well, this Captain Harkness must have taken a shine to me. He had that look about him, if you know what I mean. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. Where the hell were you? I was on time, and this officious bastard helped me up. You're going back to America? We've got to find out what's behind all of this and put a stop to it once and for all. But before I do, I haven't finished with this place yet. You watching? I'm here. And I've opened up the radio link. Make your message. This is the truth for the whole world to see. We let our governments build concentration camps. They built ovens for people in our names. No, I don't care if the whole of society bends over and takes this like a dog. I'm saying no. (laughs) That's my girl. We did it. We're whistleblowers. The death of Vera Juarez demands a full investigation, but there will be no apology for the Category 1 process. You see that? They should be shutting down those camps right now. They're just talking about it. If we really want to stop this happening, we need to look at the bigger picture. Find out what the blessing is. This is Gwen Cooper. Lenses. Who are you? What do you want? What do you want? Ah, that's the... That ending there, which, um was uh, very dramatic, you know, put the lenses in and then we find out that whatever the entity is behind, um, whatever the forces are behind um, FICOR has um, evidently has gotten um, Gwen's husband and, and mother and baby. There must be something wrong with me, you know, because I, I can watch all these sort of dark parts and not look away. But as soon as Gwen tries to put contact lenses in, I can't look at that. <laughs> I can't see. I can't look at people touching their eyes. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, uh, that. Uh, you must have been squirming when uh, when Esther was trying to poke Con's eye out. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, yeah, that was the sort of the bit here with with, with Gwen. That was also the sort of thing that seems to reoccur. It started to re- uh, be reoccurring theme. The fact that uh, who's got Gwen's father this week? Sort of, well, actually, uh, the father wasn't even mentioned. I thought that was kind of odd that in the you know when uh, the text was appearing in the lenses, there was no reference made to the father. It was only her mother, her husband, and child. So it's just well, they probably already well, they already got a father. We have to assume, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, so okay. let's get some callers in. I I know mystery presenter was first in the queue, and then he had some, I guess, some technical problems. Is that the case? I'll um, he, he did drop yep. his audio. So I'll I'll bring him on first, and then we'll we'll, we'll get everyone else in. Hello, mystery presenter. Welcome. Well, I would just like to say welcome back to the show. I know you're a regular on yeah. Doctor Who Podshock, but this is the first time I think you're calling into uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. So, welcome to the show. Um, yeah. Is this the first time you've done a live show for British Sci-Fi? We, well, we have. This is our sixth live show uh, for Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide. You know, uh, before that, all the other shows were studio shows, and we're still going to be doing doing studio shows after our series of live shows reviewing yeah. Miracle Day, so... Yeah, yeah. That's how I talk like. Uh, my thing, um, when at the end, like, when Grant's husband's go away, I thought she was actually safe until she was told to put in the contact lenses. What about the con- What about the contact it lenses? Surprise! The end. The end. Yeah, that that was a big surprise, wasn't it? Yeah. She was called yeah. to the white courtesy phone, and I knew. <laughs> I was thinking of airplane jokes during that, but. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, <laughs> uh, also in the concentration camp when Graham's catching her flashbacks. Um, you had to clean it like that actually helped Grant like move the thing that was in her way to help him guess to help guess her father. Yeah, it's I told him that she's gonna be decent like stop Grant as it, it was um and it's good to see Reese back in action again. because uh, yeah. there's so many episodes where, you know, he wasn't really you know, he was just sort of a phone call, you know, and and that was it, you know, that was the extent that we saw of Reese. So it was good to see see him actually in action again. Yeah, driving the truck out and breaking through the fence. Mm. So what have uh, what's your thought about talk shoe uh taught I keep on saying talk shoe now because there aren't taught Torchwood Miracle Day. What's your uh, your take so far? We're more than halfway through. Uh, are you uh, enjoying it? Yeah. Okay. Also, the pace is a bit should be starting to pick up, and we these who should be starting to find out what's happening, who's behind it, and that. Well, that's that's my feeling too. That episode yeah. six is the middlemen, and I, I think maybe that should have been episode five, and not, not just because it was that would have been put it in the right in the middle of the series, but <clears throat> it just seems like you yeah. know, well, maybe it should have been episode four. It just seems like we really it, this might have been told better in five episodes or as I said in last week's maybe in episodic form and have an overall story arc telling this you know background story leading up to you know maybe the the climax being the last three episodes that could be you know part one part two and part three yeah something like in series two as you were saying 
in previous show. Any other highlights or anything you want to make a point of in this episode? Nothing I can think of at the did you want to give a Weevil rating? I know Weevils aren't really yeah. playing a part in the series anymore, but we still have that as a rating system. Yeah. Well, they're being the first two. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say I'll probably give this episode a four or five. Okay. Very good. Well, uh, once again, thank you, mystery presenter. Yeah. I'm sorry about your technical problems, but I'm glad you were able to get back on and we were able to hear from yeah. you. Yeah. Just as sitting knocked off, like I don't know what happened. I had to go, uh, actually using Skype, man. I was on the shoe phone. I see. Get back mm-hmm. on with that. Yeah, well, sometimes there's um, little gremlins at work. I know I, I had to restart my application here for talk show to yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks okay. again. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And the Weevil ratings wobble, but they never fall down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird every time I ask for someone's Weevil rating now, because it's now we're talking ancient history. We haven't seen re- Weevils in Torchwood since Series 2. And, and meanwhile, uh-huh. they were all over the place in 1 and 2, and then they just seemed to, you know... I, I don't know if they were a good idea to begin with, but they, they seem to have maybe wised up and forgotten about them. All right, well, no, let's... <laughs> Next up is none other than Abasak, who's an old friend to Dr. Upachak, and it's great to have him back. Hello, Lewis. Hi, Hi welcome, uh, Dave Graham. Welcome Hi, to the Colin. show, and it's good to hear from you again. Yeah, don't build my part up too much, though. I might seriously disappoint people here. <laughs> no, I think I doubt that very much. Um, Do you want yeah. to comment on some of the earlier episodes, or are you going to stick to this one? Um, well, no, I can I can comment on um, sort of what I thought. In in terms of this one, um, now, the longer it was going on, I thought that the camp commandant fella, and I use the word camp in both senses of the word, he was sort of an interesting character, but I thought he was a bit sort of one-dimensionally executed. Um, I mean, how on earth did he get that job? Uh, what on earth was his relationship with this guard? It seemed like there was some sort of a weird... Um, I use the term loosely, but sort of like a master-slave relationship. You know, one was dominant and one was very much a follower. It was his um, minion, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, he's got this bodyguard, and presumably this bodyguard has come from the army. And, you know, how many army people that you get assigned to you can you order around? You know, I, I, I thought it was his driver. Be... That's what my impression was, that it was like his personal ah, driver. Fair enough. Yeah, you get all um, your drivers. Yeah. Um, also, why? Wasn't sure whether or not he. It kind of was as if he actually did die when he got shot at the end, um, and he didn't get shot in the head or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, not quite sure about that one. Um, I thought that um, all of the stuff that was going on in the UK was potentially more powerful the message that it was getting across there it might be because i'm british and therefore you think oh my god you don't think this had happened on your home soil but also because 
you couldn't actually see what was going on there. Whereas in in the American camp, it was it was pretty overt what you were seeing. Um, and going back to the previous episode, that last shot at nighttime where Gwen's looking out and saying, "Oh my God, they're ovens! They're burning people!" And you couldn't see what was going on in those ovens, but you could see the smoke coming out. And that for me seemed a hell of a lot more creepy than actually seeing what you saw in the American camp. Um, that was sort of quite powerful there, but it, it sort of um, has been, it, it's been a bit lacking for me. I mean, Esther was better in this episode, but she still really gets on my nerves. Um, and I'm not sure with Rex, is he dying or getting better? And I don't know. In terms of, for me, I, I'd agree with a lot of what you said, Lewis, um, in terms of, Children and Earth was definitely edge-of-the-seat stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Torchwood's always had an identity crisis, let's be honest. Um, we had the introduction in Doctor Who where it was this big organization that was very, very effective. Yeah. And then, obviously, with the end of that series, it then came back and it seemed like sort of Scooby-Doo, but all mm-hmm. of the characters playing the Shaggy and Scooby role. Um, then, in the second series, it started to get a little bit more of a story arc going through, but then it killed off half of its characters almost and then children and earth i i felt was closest to what torchwood was being sold to us as um in terms of it was an organization that was investigating things that were for some reason too dirty for others to investigate um and then this one it's i don't know i think they've made a mistake by taking the torchwood cast out of their native environment because Mm. um You've had um, you've had the familiar cast Jack and Gwen kind of sidelined in favour of the newer American cast. Um, but the problem is that they, for me, the American characters just aren't really that interesting. They're rather generic. I yeah. mean, Rex is sort of the ass-chewing, wise-cracking CIA agent. The only thing he's missing is a cigar in the side of his mouth or anything like that. Um, Esther. I think is kind of being painted as the sort of the character that you can identify with because, you know, she's new to all of this and looks out of her depth, but she's coming across more as a sort of a ditzy blonde. For me, Vera was the only one that I felt had a sort of a logical thought process. But then in the previous episode, it was like she had a personality transplant just before she got finished off. I mean, that that whole scene where all of a sudden she went from somebody who thinks things through and comes up with solutions that you actually think, oh, that's quite good. She's, she's obviously thinking ahead of the game there. And then all of a sudden she turns into this sort of stereotypical character that confronts a guy who's got a fellow with a gun standing next to him and goes, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to do that. And I'm thinking, surely she's seen all the old cliche movies. I know. That never (laughs) ends well. Um, Jilly Kitzinger. Who who wasn't in this episode. I I know she hasn't been. She's another one that's been a really good character. But then the last couple of episodes has a complete personality transplant and suddenly doesn't seem to like Oswald. I kind of felt it was very, very sudden. If, if it had been a sense that, you know, she'd just been telling Oswald what he liked all the way along, I could have bought into that a lot better. But it was just she seemed to be looking out for him. And then all of a sudden she seemed to have ditched him. And then all of a sudden she's looking out for him again. Yeah, it seems like um, when when Oswald's on top, you know, uh, you know, when when yeah. when he's popular, that's when she likes him. When he's not popular, that's when he, she, you know, she despises yeah, him. She doesn't want to be uh, tied to a failure, does she? That's the point. It's, uh, but, um, and Oswald I, wasn't in I, this episode either. Just, just a note. Just thing was, Jilly has been instrumental in putting him to where he gets. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
or whatever. She turns on a dime. Like she's itching him. And then he gets himself back in, and all of a sudden she's back on side. For me, I felt that weakened her as a character. I think if she'd done something, she'd been more um, instrumental in getting him back up again. I'd have thought, oh, she's quite a sort of a a, a more dangerous character. Oswald, I'm sorry, I just cannot buy his rise to this sort of um, yeah. this sort of almost godhood status. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's worshiping him, and they're all, "Ooh, have you seen Oswald? Did you touch him?" And all. I'm, I'm sorry, I know America is a more liberal society, perhaps, than the UK, but I really cannot buy. Even the Americans would not go for that. You know what I mean? He. Well, it, it's it's true that some. Did we just lose Colin? He just lost his yeah, own. Oh, well, hopefully he, he, he'll get that sorted and he'll be back. But I mean, it's true. Sometimes we have convicted um, people like on death row, whatever. And there's like a fringe element of but it's it's such a small minority. And it's not anything like um, that that you would see here that you see here in Miracle Day, where you know where you, you'll have someone on death row or someone that's sentenced, or uh, even what Charles Manson. I'm sure there's some Charles Manson fans out there, you know. But the, the, I'm talking about like a handful of people that uh, not not half the population, you know. So it's um, I okay. I, yeah, I, Colin's I, 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 I back. That, but not forgetting that the Tea Party is rising at the moment. I'm going to have to dump, drop off here. Uh, I've just got a lightning strike right next door to me. All right. Well, thank you, Graham, uh, for lasting this long. I... Yeah. And, and we'll Graham, you before you drop off, any last... Uh, would you want to give a Weevil rating on this episode? Uh, Weevil ratings is steady three. It's very middle of the road. Okay. Catch you later. All right. Thanks again, Graham. Cheers. Bye. And welcome back, Abbasat. Hello, I think Russell T. Davis must have got to me or something. I suddenly disappeared. <laughs> Firecore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, what was I saying? Yeah, I, I, I can't believe, as I say, the whole Oswald Danes thing. I, I just, that for me just does not work. Um, overall, I think, um, I think the story's taking far too long to get to its mm. point. Um, I think anything that could have been said so far could have been done in far fewer episodes. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, there's a sort of a repetition of themes. I'm, I'm not quite sure why Torchwood been hunted down. Why have they gone on the run? In Children of Earth, it was because they could have exposed the government to some pretty nasty stuff in their past. But kind of, why is it happening? Yeah, they here? dropped That's the ball on that. Really... We, that was that yeah, was that... in episode one, and then we really don't see much of it afterwards. You know, I don't know what that's about either. Yeah, so I, that doesn't seem to have been mentioned again. Um, we've got the the same sort of thing. We've got potentially corrupt organization, which in Children of Earth was a government, in Miracle Day it could be the government, it could be FICO, it might be both. Um, we've got uh, an individual being raised up to a status of adoration. I mean, um, Russell T. Davis did that in Second Coming, um, although in a uh, more satisfactory way. Um, it, it kind of reminds me, we've got um, Jilly Kitzinger being the sort of the mystery character in the background that's helping this organization and somehow um, has the power to be able to get people like Oswald Danger into the position. Is It kind of reminds me of Stephen King's The Stand, you know, where there's sort of been a breakdown of society and then people are forming these sort of camps and things like that. But um, overall, I'm... I'm a bit fed up with seeing people just being nasty to each other. Um, it's not sort of that I can't stand it at all. It's just that 
if there is a reason given for it, fine, but I'm kind of getting the impression it's being done to shock. And if it's being done to shock, then that sort of makes, kind of takes me out of the reality of the story because I get the impression that I'm trying to be played as a, as a viewer rather than mm. I'm watching these things and they just happen to be happening. Um, I think Russell T. Davies sort of tends to show a, a worst side of human nature type of thing. Um, but, I mean, in Children of Earth, for example, you had people turning around and going, do you know what, we're not standing for this. They weren't going to see their kids being carted off to camps. Um, they were actually turning around and fighting with the soldiers and things like that. Um, here, this isn't happening, or at least it's not happening yet. Um, and I'm kind of not sure what the overall point is. I find that I can't really predict what the ending is going to be, but it might be possibly because I'm not actually that interested Bearing in mind, I was absolutely riveted by Children of Earth, and I don't think the ending of that failed to deliver. I think that was like, whoa, that was a seriously screwed up ending. But um, you you could believe it, and it wasn't nicely tied. Well, it ended all of the, it answered all of the questions, but it didn't end neatly. If you see what I mean, there were plenty of things where you thought, crikey, there's going to be a lot of dirt to be cleaned up at the end of that. I kind of feel that I'm watching it in the way that you do when you're, you know, when you read a book and you're finding two thirds of the way through it, it's really not that interesting. But you think I better get to the you're end already committed to see to what it. happens. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of finishing it, but hoping that you're not going to regret having wasted time on it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like that with Torchwood at the moment. Um, somebody, I read somewhere on the Internet, somebody had posted a sort of a review and it was very short and punchy, but it was... Um, and probably a bit mean, but I thought it kind of summed it up. It's sort of Torchwood. Day one, no one dies. Day two, no one dies. I know where this is Day going. Day three, no one dies. Day four, everyone else loses interest. You know. <laughs> I was going to say, that's day four, no one cares. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's kind of... For me, uh, I don't know, it's just not really pushing the buttons. I think that there could have been things done cleverer in this. I think it's taking far too long to get going. Yeah. And um, If they were going to do it really... like this, they should have done it in a five-episode format if they were going to do it like this. Otherwise, do it yeah. in an episodic form where there are other, you know, they're self-contained stories where it has a background story arc building up to this. But just yeah, where, it, this is just being dragged on too long. Okay. You know, I don't that. It's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like CSI, but without the crime scene. You know, it's just mm -hmm. a bunch of people investigating, and they just have to have a load of computers, and we see in the contact lenses. But that's it. You know, there's no mystery about it. There's no organization. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't have any heart to it, I'm afraid. So, I'm, well, it seems more I, of a thriller, doesn't it? A political thriller. But, I mean, I, I would slightly take issue, I think. Uh, but it's probably taking a lot of people's goodwill to to stay watching. I mean, yeah. I, I do take your point that there'll be a lot of people thinking, well, you know, past Torchwoods are paid off at the end, so I'm going to trust them to pay off. But they're doing it on trust rather than necessarily on what they're seeing on the screen. I definitely agree with that one. Um, yeah, I just, I don't feel that it's really got any heart. I don't feel that there's anything in this to distinguish it as Torchwood, apart from the fact it's got Gwen and Jack, and both of them have sort of been sidelined to an extent in this story. You know, they started off being more focal characters, but then there's been so much introduction of Rex and um, What's-Her-Face Esther. Um, and Vera, I wish to God they kept Vera in, mm. because for me, she was much more somebody that I thought she'd fit in with Torchwood. I could yeah. see her being in the group from the start. Same here, I agree. 
Yeah, I, I, that was again yeah. the, the the shock value, wasn't it? I mean, she, uh, of anybody to be killed off, either her or Esther were the ones that would have perhaps shocked people most. Yeah, I think it would have been more shocking if they got rid of her close to the end of the series when you thought, oh, crikey, but at least you know you're not going to go through the rest of the series without that character. You'd think, well, that's kind of served its, its shock purpose. I can see that they're trying to do the whole, well, anybody in Torchwood could die at any time. But I think anybody who watches Torchwood kind of knows that because, they, you know, what happened with previous characters, which I won't spoil for those who haven't seen. But, um, it, you know... I, I don't know. I just think it's a shame. I'd rather they got rid of Esther. It sounds awful. But I'd rather they got rid of Esther than they got rid of Vera. Especially with the sort of the personality transplant way of it. You know, the whole... I could see Esther having to go at somebody and going, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to make you pay. You're going to suffer for this. And this guy has got a gun. And you're thinking, hello. You know, put the, put two and two together, love, quick. You know, I could see Esther doing that, but I couldn't see Vera doing it. And it kind of really disappointed me that she went in that kind of way. Well, what you touch upon with with Jack and Gwen in this is pretty much what I had said previously in ep- previous episodes of Hitchhiker's Guide was that this feels like another new series, not Torchwood, but that has a crossover with two characters from Torchwood in it. It seems like a, a new American series that just happens to have two Torchwood characters in it. Yes. As opposed to yeah, Torchwood. I, th- I think so. I, there isn't anything to distinguish it as Torchwood. It could be called anything, really. Um, mm. And, yeah, it's just very, very generic for me, I'm afraid. So um, if you wanted a, what do they call, Weevil? A Weevil rating, I'm, yeah. Each and every one of them three. It's been strictly middle of the road for me, I'm afraid. Okay, fair enough. Well, I, th- I thank you for coming on and, you know, and, and chiming in and, and giving your opinion on this. We welcome all opinions. So. Oh, no problem. Nice to be back. <laughs> yeah, so uh, hopefully you can come back again. Next week, We at this time slot, we'll be doing uh, Dr. Hugh Potchock, which we'll be reviewing uh, Let's Kill Hitler, which is the first episode of the second half of the 2011 series. So Yes, it'll be interesting uh, to sort of have a look at that and Torchwood and kind of just compare the styles. I'll be very curious to see how that goes. Mm. And this show will be pushed up to uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and this way it will give us a break from between Dr. Hupachak and before we start the show again. So hopefully it won't be too late for our friends across the pond, And uh, but we'll, we'll try to keep the show short. Well, thanks again, Abisak, and I look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Okay, cheers. cheers. Bye, Colin. All right, last but not least, it's uh, Duckworth. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, how are Hello. you doing? Sorry, you've had a long wait. Well, all right. Is my audio fine? It's a little gargly, but I, we can understand okay. you. Okay. So, kind of agreeing with everything there, but, um, the whole story is like, but I don't really find RTD or Blank Star all these American cameos and stories. I don't understand the awful things dialogue at all. But if I was there and it was a six, he was dropped and he didn't I'm losing a bit of that audio there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's it's difficult okay. to make you out, I'm sorry. Okay. Maybe if you if you speak a little louder it might come through a little better. Or slower. 
or slower? Slower. <laughs> not, not too slow. <laughs> Just to, to uh, divide so the words don't run into one another. Hello now. Yeah, it's a little better now. It's still gargly, but if we, if we we'll, we'll try to understand you. I know it's not your fault. It's a little better. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, Duckworth. Um, if if you can chime in, if you could, if you could maybe put some thoughts in chat, we'll we'll relay what you're trying to convey. Um, okay. It's just a, a bad audio connection. It's not. It's again. It's 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 a technical um, snafu. It's not your your doing. I know that. And strangely, as always the case with this, when you're explaining why you're having troubles, we hear that. Perfectly clearly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then as soon as, you, as soon as you talk on topic, it goes garble. Uh, but we, we, I know you've been waiting in the queue for a long time, so I kind of really feel bad. But uh, thank you for, for for chiming in. And if you want to um, uh, put some some you know something into chat, we'll we'll read it out for you. All right. So thanks again. Underrating. Yeah, underrating. I didn't give my rating while we just give uh, uh, some time for that to happen. Um, yes, I definitely feel as though there's been a, a, a quite a variation, not just in the uh, uh, the tone of it, uh, each episode. Obviously, we've, we've gone progressively darker, with, for me, uh, last week's episode being the darkest, and uh, this one, as we've said before, being a little bit more of the aftermath and um, some rather... Uh, poor decisions on the on the side of our heroes, really. But um, I, I find that overall I'm enjoying it. And I, I've got a feeling that if this had battled along uh, in and tried to do it in five episodes, I'd be one of the first people to jump up and say, uh, well, they should have taken time out to develop the characters and we, we should have learned it. I wanted to learn a bit more about Rex. I wanted to learn a bit more about Esther. What's happened to Esther's sister and her family? You know, what's happened to Rex's father? So you well, can't have it both ways. Well, may, maybe if the pacing was maybe a little bit different, um, maybe that might work. Had worked. It it seemed like like the first episode was um, you had a, a a balance there of action and, and storytelling and here it, it seems uh, I, well i don't know how they would do it differently but maybe an eight episode series or uh, something like that might have done it but we, again we don't know the uh, if there's a big payoff in the final well we've got four as far as uh hitchhiker's guide to british sci-fi we've got four more episodes to go and uh, certainly you know it, like in the dot two world often we find that um it ends with like what we would call a two-parter or even a three-parter if you think of something like you know utopia and onwards so we may be building up to a a big two or three-part ending i I am enjoying it i i certainly look forward to watching it Uh, i'm just not quite sure what i'm going to get each week and i think that's probably throwing some people off they're seeing that as an inconsistency rather than each episode having uh a tone of its own 
whether that's because of diff- you know having separate writers, different directors, and so on, whether that's proved to be a positive in terms of giving it more variation, or whether it's been a negative in making it less consistent. Uh, and I realise that those two things, uh, you know, one person's inconsistency is somebody else's lovely variation. Well, maybe if it, I, I understand that tort, a, a tort, um, Torchwood is, you know, a, a darker series than Doctor Who, and that's understandable, but maybe, the, you know, make the overall story dark, but maybe, you know, some episodes could be lighter than others and, uh, you know, somehow mix it up so that it, it just sometimes going, even though I'm enjoying that while I'm watching it, but as I said, there's a certain amount of dread only because you know it's going to be a dark affair and you know that, okay, what misery are we going to find this time? And like I said, it was difficult seeing Rex getting lacerated with the pen and the, the, the whole fighting sequence there, you know, even though, you know, it, you had to do it, you know, as far as storytelling goes, it just, um, you know, it, it, it's not really escapism, you know, as far as uh, what I look for in entertainment. So it's just, I understand it needs to be dark, but does it need to be dark 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Okay, there's some stuff to read in text, so I, I'll do that if you wish. Um, uh, from Abbasock, um, I must admit, I still don't feel we've gotten to know the characters w- w- with ten episodes yet. Uh, we've had plenty of questions and scenes with family members, but not many questions answered. Was Esther's sister just bonkers? What happened to Rex's dad? Uh, what did Vera's mother feel about seeing her daughter die on YouTube, etc.? And Duckworth has now put in... Um, uh, episodes two through six are clunky, uh, the result of stars putting too many cameos in the story. Uh, we're not talking about episode seven now, but uh, episode seven is much better, but that's for next week. Episode six, uh, very weak, uh, zero out of ten weevils. The story so far, two out of ten. Well, we usually go out of five, but uh, we'll take that as meaning... Uh, Disappointing. Yeah, if it's zero out of ten, I'm sure it's zero out of five as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is yeah. kind of interesting here was, uh, again, just a matter of storytelling. Is Rex is escaping from this module area that's during lockdown, and you know he uh, winds up, you know, commandeering the uniform of um, a uh, soldier there after you know persuading him to come and check, you know pretending to be um injured or whatever and well he is injured but you know what i mean uh and then you know he gets past uh this check-in point where you know he's going out for a smoke or whatever and then he walks right into the lion's den you know so all that was for nothing you know it's it's interesting seeing how how they they, they build it up so that okay he's gonna escape he's gonna escape and then and then he's uh walks right into like i said the lion's den there I enjoyed the episode while watching it. It's just I know it's it, it, it is it's parts of it is difficult to watch, um, not just the contact lenses. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really uh, I don't know how people can wear contact lenses, but, um, but we don't want to repeat ourselves yeah. here. We've uh, we've had a good turnout and uh, unfortunately Graham's had to drop off. Uh, now, but um, I, for one, will definitely keep watching. I am enjoying it. Um, I think I'm enjoying it at a different level than uh, Children of Earth, which to me was 
really up to now still the high point of Torchwood. I, I would think that um, this might also be, it sounds awful to say because we're, we're still in it, but it might be one of these things that when it comes out as a box set, uh, maybe, you know, in a, uh, on a Blu-ray or something, high definition, uh, and people can sort of set themselves so they're in the right mood to watch this. I think, I mean, I think if you've had an awful day at work, are you, you know, you're feeling a bit, you know, rotten about things or you know you, you you've uh, you've got a, a hospital appointment coming up or whatever it happens to be in your life and you want some escapism i think like you were saying right at the beginning Louis, um this <laughs> this is not necessarily uh light evening entertainment but on the other hand if you if you have got yourself in that mood where you fancy some sort of uh, uh thought-provoking, and it is thought-provoking. Yeah. There is mm-hmm. a lot of frightening and, and, and distressing scenes in there, but I don't think I don't think they've really been gratuitous. I mean, I don't see how... And I mean gratuitous in the way that they're not... I don't think they're just thrown in there for shock value. I think the Vera's death was the shock of losing that uh, cast member rather than the actual scene of how she died. And, of course, it gave that rise to that brilliant part with uh, the Rex character where you know here's his girlfriend dying and uh, you know this is from episode before of course where you know he still has the presence of mind uh, to get his video camera and record it uh, and that's the the recording that he tells Colin about not realizing of course that Colin was the man that had pulled the switch yeah you know I always say with Dr. Upachak when we are faced with a obviously a two-parter it's always difficult to review part one without seeing part two and in this case, it's a 10-parter, so we're reviewing it each piece, you know, at a time, which is difficult to give a, a you know, to review it as a whole until we've seen it as a whole. So it's still episode six. It's still roughly, you know, halfway through. Next episode, next episode is obviously episode seven. And by that point, by the end of that point, we should be, you know, three quarters of the way through and um, hopefully... Um, have a better idea where things are going and then we have you know just a few more episodes to go and obviously we can you know then give our review of what we really thought of Miracle Day at the end of it but it's it's maybe unfair of us to kind of review it as a whole when we haven't seen it as a whole yet Well, well it's always difficult to watch sometimes when you're quote-unquote heroes are sort of floundering a bit and getting the, uh, you know, coming off second best at times because you want, you obviously want to champion your heroes. Uh, That's one of the things about having a a monster of the week because your heroes basically win the battle every week. Uh, You don't know how they're going to do it and hopefully the inventiveness of the writers uh, keep you on the edge of the seat uh, and doing that. But here we're sort of, we're almost feeling as though we're in a downward spiral. We've said before about how ineffectual Captain Jack is at the moment. Rex, although he has the skills, he's handicapped with his injury. Esther's handicapped with her uh, concern for her family. Um, Gwen is uh, torn apart by the now being a mother and um, you know, domestic things with a father and so on. Uh, uh, Reese is perhaps the only one that's sort of some issue. I mean, where she would lean on Captain Jack before, she's leaning on Reese, and he's stepping up to the plate rather well. Um, Esther is slowly coming more and more into it, and um, and then we have this sort of um, 
unknown quantity of Oswald Danes. We don't know whether he's a sideshow to the main event, whether he's uh, just somehow, you know, potluck landed in the middle of the game. Uh, we just don't know. And Kissinger seems to be the opportunist that we thought originally was probably uh, higher placed and higher ranked in whatever this triangle organisation or whatever you want to call it, the one we see on the phone, is linked. We now find that there's a complete middle layer, this episode so titled, um, and I can see that some people would get frustrated and think, you know, that there's just too many uh, Russian dolls here we're going through. Uh, I want to get to the story. Well, the so, one character we don't uh, know yet is is who's behind this all. You know, we don't know. What we do yeah. know is at this point that it has something to do with families. It has something to do with geography. It has something to do with it, that. It, it's something that um, had started back in the 1990s with with Psycor, um you know, slowly rationally uh, um, increasing the, the rations of painkillers and all that being produced. Uh, we know that somehow the blessing, whatever that means, plays a part in it. That, again, dates back to the 1990s, I believe. So um, yeah. slowly that we're learning what this what they're fighting. But still, we're we're entering episode seven now. And we still don't know, you know, what we're up against. Indeed. Uh, and I'm sorry to put again in text, sir. I do hope there's a big unexpected payoff from this, but I'm increasingly sceptical. And uh, he agreed with me. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry that Reese, well, I wouldn't say he's the only consistent kind, but he's by far, you know, the one that's sort of, uh, you know, the, the dependable character that uh, basically is Gwen's rock, where she always thought it was Captain Jack that would come to her rescue. She's now finding out that uh, her husband is really the one she can depend on. And she puts her family before Captain Jack. So, um, well, does she? I mean, that's the that's the dilemma as this episode ends, isn't it? She's seen she's seen what they wanted to do uh, through the uh, the lens things. We've got your, you know, husband. We've got your uh, child. Uh, and what do you want? As she screams, uh, bring us Captain Jack. So, um, obviously. Next episode is uh, going to be somewhat about Gwen's dilemma. Well, don't don't give anything away now, Dave. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't. Okay, they wouldn't do that. All right, uh, I know um, in chat, Abasak has um, wrote in. Do you think they'll end the story at episode ten, or will they leave us on a massive cliffhanger? I, I think they will tie up most of the loose oh, ends. Got to. Um, I, there might be some lingering questions, but I, I hopefully the story will come to some sort of conclusion what that may be i don't know and and duck birth has also um put something more into ch into chat here um as far as episode six is concerned is it unclear where uh, by episode six it's unclear where they're going psychor is not in control danes is uh nowhere and dead is dead was and then oh, yeah, that's yeah I agree with that. It's almost got some of the lines of a detective in it, you know, with the, uh, you know, the Agatha Christie's, you know, the red heading. You think somebody was doing something, but actual fact, he was off having an assignation with the with the parlour maid or something, you know. But people, because he couldn't account for his time, he's, he becomes a suspect. So because something somebody's doing something they can't explain doesn't necessarily mean that they are the one. So that it is liberally sprinkled with the. Uh, you know, five or six threads uh, are possible 
people that could be characters far deeper entwined in the plot than we now realise. But um, I, I think at that point, uh, Lewis, I, I think I'll repeat myself a little yeah. more, but uh, I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm enjoying it while I'm watching it. It's just, I wish it was, I don't know. I'm going to give this a three and a half weevils, maybe push, I mean, um, it, maybe if it had some some more balance as far as maybe, I, I know there was a scene there yeah. with Captain Jack and the maitre d' of a restaurant and he made a comment about the coat and he said, oh, you know, I forget exactly what he said, gorgeous the coat or whatever. Us, and says, you know, uh, the, the three of us can go out. And there was a little light moment there. But I, I think if we had a little bit more light moments, something just to uh, balance out the darkness a bit, you know, and, and so I, I think it's just um, sometimes it's just too oppressive the the darkness here and um so but i'll give it three and a half weevils and you know i'm looking forward to see where it all goes but um i'm not on the edge of my seat as i was with children of earth yeah like the 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 boss stewart says uh, i'm a middleman in every way perhaps this is a middle episode in every way and gets a middle rating mm -hmm. All right, well, next week we'll be back. At this time slot, we will be doing Doctor Who Podshock reviewing, as I mentioned earlier, Let's Kill Hitler, which is the first episode of the second half of the 2011 series of Doctor Who. So we're looking forward to that. We'll be doing Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi later at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and we'll be reviewing episode uh, 7, which is Immortal Sins. So and I, I know this is the one that... Dave said that John Berman said that he's he um, really yeah, likes. Yeah, this, this is not a spoiler. This is the one that at Comic Con he was saying, you know, it, it, he thought it was a bit of a doozy this episode. All right, so I'm looking forward to it. So until then, thanks for listening and uh, cheers. And thank you, Dave. Oh, Dave, Dave, I almost forgot. Dave, before we end, let everyone know where they can find more of you and Cultum Collective. You guys just did a half-series review of Torch, uh, Torchwood, Miracle Day. I was actually prompting then, because I thought I'd lost your audio. You just went very quiet. Uh, yeah, but the Cultum Collective, also on Torchwood, Torchwood ID 54821, as you said, just today, and it's already up on the feeds. We're quick workers. Episode 113, uh, Torchwood mid-season. We've done, we've kept episode 7 conversation right to the end, so you can listen to a good two-thirds of that episode, and then we give you warning when we're going to talk about uh, episode 7. And likewise, uh, Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Torchwood ID 54821. This coming Sunday, we will be talking about Let's Kill Hitler. But I'll save something to say on the... Got two pod shot. You better. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again, Dave, as always. And uh, thank you for <laughs> putting together the clips. And thank you, Graham. I know Graham had to, um, you know, leave early, but we do thank his um, for thank him for helping out in his input. And thank you, everyone, for listening and calling in. And so we'll see and hear you all next week. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. You can send feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com.
To support this podcast, please visit ArtTrap.com and click on the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. Also, while there, visit the shop to get your Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi swag that includes shirts, mugs, and assorted trinkets. If you're not already a listener to Doctor Who Podshock, check it out at Podshock.net. This this has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts. Hey, before you go, a quick programming note for you. Due to Hurricane Irene, we had to postpone our live shows last Sunday. So this Sunday, we have two live shows, which we're reviewing two episodes each. So at 4 p.m., on TalkShoe, there's Doctor Who Pachak Live, which is reviewing Let's Kill Hitler and Night of Terror, or I should say Night Terrors. And then Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi returns at 7 p.m. This is its new time for the remaining live shows reviewing Torchwood Miracle Day. We'll be reviewing Immortal Sins and End of the Road. So be sure to tune in this Sunday, the 4th of September, for these two live shows reviewing two episodes each to catch up due to Hurricane Irene. See you there. Cheers.